to the informal podcast. It has been a quick minute, per usual, for the informal podcast, but we're back together, actually, in person, here, recording this podcast with my good friend Sam Lewis. Sam, how are you? I have never been better. We are in Super Secret Podcast Studio, part two. Is this a super super secret podcast? I don't think it's super. Studio? I think this is the super permanent podcast studio. Well, I mean, this is at least for until for, we until we move out of this apartment. Hey, don't tell the people where the podcast studio is. All right, we don't want fans flocking around causing us problems here. I'll tell you what, this is a great studio. We've got some baseball on on, on the computer over there. We've got comfy chairs. Moose is here. Moose I mean, is in the house. And Moose is the chillest person in the house right now. I was I was gonna say I feel like Bill Simmons right now because we're yeah. we're in comfortable chairs. We got sports on the computer. I mean I'm kicked back. My feet are in the air. This is let's be honest. This is probably gonna go two and a half hours. It just like go Simmons. two and a half hours because it's already past yeah. my bedtime <laughs> and it's school night. So. Okay, so I think what we're gonna do is we recorded a special pod about. I guess a month ago. It was a, it was long, a long time, time ago. It was a long time ago. Where me ago. and Sam discussed the best deli sandwiches. And I promise you it might be the best work we've ever done. And so I'm going to attach that actually to the end of this podcast. As long as this one doesn't go super long. So, Let's be honest. This is probably going to go a while. And but if that's the case, I'll just I'll post this totally separate pod. But yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think right now we're recording this on Tuesday night. Uh, so, a lot's happened since we last talked. Mainly, a sport called football has happened since we last talked. So, we definitely want to dive into that, then jump into some baseball. Maybe talk some juice baseballs. If you want to talk juice baseballs, let's just go ahead. Let me let me call out of work tomorrow, and we'll just talk about this the <laughs> well, rest I, I of guess, the time. I guess something's happened since we last went on the air, and that's that I'm no longer employed by a baseball team. I'm glad you brought it up because I didn't know if you want to talk about it, but feel free. I mean, yeah. this is your space. This yeah. is your space. Let's let the people know. What yeah. So I'm I'm no longer employed by a baseball team, so I'm free to talk all things baseball and declare whatever fanhood I may. And that fanhood's still going to be the Pirates. But oh come on, secondary fanhood's definitely the Braves. This and is the Braves. The Pirates podcast. might struggle to make the playoffs this year. It might or be a Braves year. podcast. Or I mean, well, hey. now that you're no longer employed by the Pirates. I can talk about how they're never going to make the playoffs again. Because <laughs> hey, we've got a wave coming up in about seven years that's going to make a splash. <laughs> Maybe. I'm rooting for you. I am. But the Braves, however, are down to a magic number of 10. Is with, it 10? It, it was 10 yesterday. If the Nats lost today, it's 9. Ooh. With 17 to play. Did they lose? We just we oh, just we were trying game. to watch the game. Hold on. Nats Twins. We were trying to watch Nats Twins, but it was over. So, so we, we were trying to watch Nat watch Nats Twins. Then my buddy Mitch Keller was pitching against the Giants against Cueto, and for some reason we just vetoed that. Tried to go look, Bauer. We can go back to but instead to your, we, we we can go we back to watching on, the Pirates and the Giants and the who's eliminated from the playoffs bowl if you want to. That's Josh Plesac and that's against, fine. We got the Angels. We got Indians Angels, a very important wild card game for the Nat for the American League right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so. I have to say, while while you're looking that up, Nats got beat nine. Magic numbers nine with seventeen to play. Could've been eight. Could've been eight. Well, look, all right. Hey, if if the baseball wasn't juiced, Max Fried wouldn't have given up four bombs. How many left would, to play? Seventeen, I think. Wow. It's over, buddy. Yeah. It's over. So the Braves are going to probably finish second. We are three and a half behind the Dodgers for the number one seed. They're going to play the winner and of the Central. 
Yeah, probably the Cardinals. Probably going to play the Cardinals. Potentially so, the Cubs, but probably the Cardinals, which so then, terrifies me. So, I guess Soroka would pitch against Flaherty game one. That's what you're looking at? We talked about it earlier. Soroka hasn't been super great as of late. But, I mean, do you have a better option? I mean, I guess Keuchel. I think Soroka, unless Soroka... Keuchel's won a World Series. Unless the wheels fall off for the last two and a half weeks of the season, Soroka's going to get game one. Uh, he's been our best pitcher all year. He's struggled lately, but even his bad games are like six and a third and four hundred runs, which is not terrible. So I think he gets game one, and then you've got Keiko game two. He's solid. Max Freed, Max Freed could get knocked off the mound in the first inning of a playoff game, or he could. I could envision a world where Max Freed wins a World Series MVP. He could put out two games of seven squirrel innings in a in a playoff series without a doubt. But he's kind of. Well, I mean, we were, so we were watching the Braves game earlier, and Freed had given up five runs maybe before he dropped his first curveball, at least one of his first curveballs. With your curveball being your best pitch, I mean, think about it this way. Rich Hill's best pitch is his curveball, and he was a borderline major leaguer before he – he wasn't in major leagues for a long time before he started throwing his breaking ball He's bouncing around. Well, and, and so I get it. I mean, Rich Hill throws 90, and – and Freed throws 97. Oh, yeah. Joe West just got hit in the back. <laughs> Call timeout on this conversation. Did you see Joe West get decked yeah. by that guy sliding into home yeah. last week? He fell over and he couldn't stand yeah. up. They had to come help him the up. The pitcher had to come help him up. Okay, yeah, continue. If you can't stand up, if you, you fall need to over, stop you playing. Why is he? He's been an umpire for 45 years, but whatever. This isn't yeah. a Joe West podcast. Let's have a Max Freed discussion. I was enjoying it. Okay, so, all right. We completely by, bypass game two, which would be free or which would be Keuchel versus Keuchel for sure, and against the Cardinals probably Michaelis. Yeah, have to be Michaelis. It's Michaelis and then Daniel Hudson. You're probably looking at for game three. They've got Carlos Martinez as their closer right now, yeah. which doesn't make a ton of sense to me because he's nasty. You it know, could who be we an forgot. injury. You know, we forgot Adam Wainwright. He's not. He will not start. He's game. their number three starter. No way. I I don't buy it. Um. I, I buy he's a number three starter, but I don't think he'll start a playoff game. I guarantee Waka you. Start. Been, you can start Waka, but he's been in and out of the bullpen. So, I mean, really, probably what they'll do is, I mean, it's a five it's a five game set, right? So, I mean, they'll probably go Flaherty, Michaelis. They might go Michaelis first. Flaherty's disgusting. Flaherty's, Flaherty's disgusting. And I... If they were, if they fun were, fact, we faced Flaherty in high A, and he was terrible. It was a year after he came <laughs> off his injury, and we're like, this guy got drafted where? And now he shoves. So. He's nasty. I'm gonna win our fantasy league, knock on wood, unless Tyler Rohrbach snipes me in the in the fantasy playoffs. But uh, due entirely to Jack Flaherty, he's so, been disgusting since. Fun fact: this guy we're that's hitting right now, his name's Yu Chang. Yeah, saw him. Never heard of him, and he just hit a home run. Yeah, so you, oh so you Chang, we played when he was in Akron, um, and and also in Columbus. So he has a brother, and his brother played with us with the Pirates. But when they came over, they're both from Taiwan. When they came over, his name Chang translated C H A N G. Our brother, the guy who played with us, his brother's name translated Jang, G H A N G. So the same brother with the same last name spelled completely differently. So there you go. You can get in on him in case you were wondering. See, so just dribbled it over there. But um, two for two. Yeah, two for two. So but before we get to any baseball and, and talk more Braves or more Pirates, whatever comes first, we got to talk some football. 
Specifically, yes, we have to talk some Tennessee Volunteers because... I mean, we don't have to. My good friend Sam Lewis is... Um, like likes to to live and die entirely in the fall with his Tennessee. I think balls. the adjective is long suffering. Long suffering Tennessee ball. I think it's safe to say it no longer feels like nineteen ninety eight. It never felt like nineteen ninety eight. It actually feels a lot like two thousand fourteen. Here okay, coming into the season, it didn't feel like ninety eight at all. We were hoping for like two thousand fifteen. That's what we were going for. And it didn't happen. It's over. I mean, we're two games into the season, and the, the college football season is over, which is fine. It's great, because I can focus on the Braves, who are going to win the division, and who actually have a legitimate shot to make some noise in the playoffs, and I don't have to worry about what happens on Saturdays. So it's great. I'm, I'm legitimately like at peace with the whole thing. I'm not upset. I was upset last year. I was upset two years ago when we let Butch, inexplicably let Butch Jones come back for a fifth season. I was upset. <laughs> He was there for five years. I was distraught <laughs> when Butch Jones absolutely wet the bed against Vanderbilt in 2016 with a chance to go to the to the Sugar Bowl. You beat Vandy and you go to the Sugar Bowl. The balls in the Sugar Bowl. Could you imagine? Could you talk about feels like 98? Feels like 2002. The balls in the Sugar Bowl and he wet the bed against Vandy and we didn't fire him. That I was upset about that. I'm not upset about this. So I've carved out about a ten minute time slot to talk about the balls. So we're good. by the end of this, I feel like you are going to be upset about it, and I got to get there. Look, look, we are in the hashtag content business, and I will give you the content. But I just want the people to know that in my heart of hearts, I'm not upset. Are you not upset, or have you just given up? Or are you just disappointed? I'm not upset. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> it's I'm confused. I'll be honest with you. I'm confused. Coming into this season, I I mean, look, I, I go deep on the Vols. I listen to Vols football podcasts in April. Like, I'm, I pay for, for exclusive, like, subscriber-only Vols football news. I get on the Vols football message boards. I follow the recruiting and everything. And coming into this season, we knew our defense was young and inexperienced, and we knew our offensive line was going to be questionable. But we knew that we had a third-year starter quarterback, and we knew we had three... Is he a junior? He's a junior. He's a oh, fourth-year no. junior. He's a fourth-year junior. And he's a fourth-year junior. And the talk all offseason was, you better get the freshman ready because he's looking at the NFL. Like, that's his goal is to have a good season and go to the NFL. Like, not like he's going to be a first-round pick, but, like, he's going to go mid-round and be a backup somewhere. So, he graduated already, whatever. Jared Garantanos, who we're talking about. But we knew we had him coming back. We knew we had a couple of good running backs and three... Two and a half to three NFL wide receivers. What we actually have is a quarterback who cannot read a defense, who has thrown more interceptions in the first two games of this season than he threw in the entire season last year. We have an offensive coordinator who's making one and a half million dollars this year, and a defensive coordinator who's making one million dollars this year, and he's not even calling the plays because the head coach calls the plays. And we got embarrassed by Georgia State. If you don't, so. if you don't call the plays, what do you do as a defensive coordinator? So Jeremy Pruitt got there last year, and he said, I've called the plays since I was a high school coach. I'm going to call the plays now. He said, I would call the offensive plays if I thought I could do both at the same time. I'm the smartest football man here. I'm calling the plays. Well, that didn't work. So he brought in Derek Ansley, who was the highest paid, highest paid defensive backs coach in the NFL last year. He was Gruden's defensive backs coach. 
to be his defensive coordinator. And he, groomers. Oh, buddy. <laughs> we talked about this long enough. We're going to get some groomers. I got one for you. But he brought in Derek Ansley, and he he nominally ceded play calling to Derek Ansley. So Derek Ansley's quote-unquote calling the plays. But I just don't understand it because it's a lot of returning starters from last year and a lot of guys who are getting worse, which doesn't bode well for for this coaching staff. Not the best combination. Exactly. And coming off of Butch Jones, like Butch Jones was a good recruiter who couldn't coach coaches wet of a wet paper sack. Well, Jeremy Pruitt's supposed to be the football guy, and doesn't look good so far. I'm, we're we're speeding at five thousand miles an hour toward another UT coaching search, which I love. I mean, I live for coaching searches. Talk about message boards. Oh, I live for some coaching searches. That is worth nine dollars a month, my guy. I will give you, I'll give you the password to the Vol message boards for the next coaching search. You're gonna love it. But at this point, I, I'm I'm worried. It's just a matter of when, not if. You know, and I hate to be like that because he's only coached fourteen games, but. He's five and eight, you know, or five, <laughs> five and nine. What? How, how, so how do you I mean, get to fourteen, five and nine. Let's talk about Jim Cheney. Let's talk about him. I got thoughts. Okay, <laughs> so Jim Cheney was at Georgia, right? Uh-huh. Jim Cheney was a dynamite play caller at Georgia. Partly that's because of the athletes he had. Right, a lot of good athletes. But the scheme he ran, he called plays in it, I think, very, very well. Definitely warranted being paid more more money, and Tennessee brought him back. And it just hasn't played out, I think, the way that Tennessee anticipated. And now Georgia, by no means, was a high-flying, you know, Oklahoma-type offense. They were very pro-based, and, like, a lot of times – you know, it, it seemed like the defense was going to... Angelton Simmons is really good. Every time I watch the Angels, I get sad that the Braves traded Angelton Simmons. Yeah. He's one of my favorite Braves of all time, but... Who has a better arm, Angelton Sam- Simmons or Rafael Fercal? Fercal had a better arm, but Angelton Simmons is the best defensive baseball player I've ever seen. Really and I watched good. Andrew Jones. Really good. So, there you go. Um, so, yeah, so I mean, George's offense... Um, you know, a lot of times wasn't that explosive, but they were always good. And they always put up points. So, I mean, is it is it the play calling? Is it the scheme? Is it the quarterback? So, you got to start at the start, right? They lost to Georgia State. They got absolutely outclassed by Georgia State. They got punched in the mouth. They got physically dominated by Georgia State. That's unacceptable. Not fluky. Not It wasn't a fluke at all. They got beat by two touchdowns. We scored a garbage-time touchdown with two seconds left to make it as close as it was. That is 1,000% on the coaching staff. Like The players played terrible, but it, you had nine months to prepare for your first game. It was Georgia State, and you got punched in the mouth at home. That's on the coaches. I put that almost 100% squarely on Jeremy Pruitt, right? But this BYU game... I don't really find any fault in what Cheney did because he came out in the first half and he was creative and he was calling, you know, he was trying to establish the run, which you need to do, and Tennessee's got two good running backs, and they did that. They established the run. They were getting averaging like four or five yards of carry, which is perfectly fine. But in the second half, he kept calling the same off-tackle run play because that was all we had because every time he let Jared Carantano throw the ball, it was about a 50-50 shot that he was going to throw it directly to a BYU player. And you could just see it in the plays that were being called. That the coordinator did not trust his quarterback at all. 
And when your quarterback's a fourth-year junior and you don't trust him and it's obvious you don't trust him, I just don't see the season getting any better. You gotta, you have to make a change. So, like, let me ask you this. You would if, think, but... But they have they said anything? I mean... No, Jeremy Pruitt came out at the quarterback club, which is... <laughs> It's the best. It's like one of the fantasy football or the college football things. That's incredible. You can pay money and you can go to a dinner and the like. The coach comes and talks to you and they call you the quarterback. <laughs> Is it like once a week? Yeah, it's once a week. And so Butch Jones at the end wouldn't go. He would send the athletic director yeah. because he knew they were going to ask him hard questions. But Jerry <laughs> Pruitt still goes. But they, <laughs> he said. I, this is I'm not looking at how much it. would you go how much would you pay to go and ask him like three questions zero dollars because I paid nine dollars to ballquest.com <laughs> and they tell me all the questions that got asked but <laughs> this is not a direct no free ads this is not no free ads pay for ballquest is great but no free ads it's not a direct quote but the the gist of what he said was our quarterback has got to play better and if you've been around our program this summer, you know Jared Garantano is the best quarterback in this program. Which is not great, because Jared Garantano is not good. <laughs> He's got... <laughs> so, there's three scholarship quarterbacks on the <laughs> roster. you got Garantano, who's a fourth-year junior, who was good last year. Started every game last year, and he was pretty good. Then you've got JT Shrout, who was a three-star from California, who I... This is informal, I didn't look this up. I think he was committed to Fresno State when Jeremy Pruitt got the job. And Powerhouse. So, Jeremy Pruitt comes in. Look, this is going to be a long putt. We, when Jeremy Pruitt gets the job, Adrian Martinez is committed to the balls. Is that the guy from Nebraska? The guy from Nebraska. Jeremy Pruitt, there's different reports of what happened. More or less said, you don't really fit what we want to do. Is he a five-star? He was a four-star. He was a, a mid-level four-star. He goes with Scott Frost, starts as a freshman. I'm Row pretty the sure he's a freshman All-American. Grow the boat. He... So, Pruitt cuts bait on Adrian Martinez. He picks up J.T. Stroud, who's a three-star. I think he was committed to Fresno State. He was a mid-major type of guy. Huge arm. I think he threw 25 interceptions his senior year in high school. It's not great, right? It's not ideal, for sure. No, so he's a redshirt freshman now. Hasn't played a snap. Then they got Brian Maurer this year out of Georgia, who is another three-star who they picked out. He was their hand-picked guy. He also hasn't played a snap. So that's your two other scholarship quarterbacks. And they're very obviously not willing to give one of those guys a shot. So it's just down to Garantano playing better, and I don't see it. I, I Looking at the schedule, I honestly think, like in, I'm being honest with the people, I think Tennessee is going to go 2-10. Uh-oh, we got something going on here. Puig, Puig's going off on this pitcher. All right, timeout. We're going to talk about the ball going 2-10 in a minute. Yasiel Puig is about to absolutely murder <laughs> Every time I watch Puig play, he gets he like goes up a shirt size. Have you noticed that? Yeah. He's huge. He's, he's humongous. He's enormous. And look at Terry Francona standing there like he's going to stop Puig from beating the living <laughs> crap out of somebody if he wants to. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough for Tennessee. So, I asked you this earlier, but if Tate Martell – were to transfer to Tennessee, what would your feelings be? A guy that couldn't win the starting job at Oklahoma or Tennessee. Miami. Or at, at Miami. I mean, like, if you airdropped him into the into the offense right now. Did you watch QB1? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Um, I, I forgot about a guy. Um, Kasim Hill from Maryland. He started eight games last year at Maryland. 
transferred to Tennessee as a walk-on. He's also in the quarterback room. He's probably actually the guy they would go to if they change quarterbacks. But, I mean, Tate Martell, I, I just – if you're not good enough to start at Miami over a freshman there who wasn't like a five-star recruit, I don't know. I'm not going to put my hopes in that guy either. So, yeah, I mean, Tennessee's sort of in a crunch here. It's like the, – the honest truth is like if, if Garantano – plays the rest of the year and plays, like, extremely average. You know, like, let's say Vols will beat UTC on Saturday. Say they win by, you know, 20 points. (laughs) Less than 28. Less than 28, for sure. (laughs) 20 points. Um, And then they beat, they'll beat, like, uh, either Vanderbilt, South Carolina, or Kentucky. Missouri. Or, Or Missouri. I don't know. Missouri, Kelly Bryant? I don't know. Um, I don't think they'll beat Missouri. Who's who do they play out of the West this year? Mississippi State at home. Okay, so I mean they might could win that one too. Well, okay, so this is why Tennessee fans perennially get hurt because they look at the schedule and they go they do just what you did right there. They say they say Vandy, Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, Mississippi State at home. That's five games that you have to win four out of five if you're the University of Tennessee. You have no excuse not to beat four out of five of those teams. That's four wins. Plus four non-conference wins, that's eight and four. And if you got a good coach, you're also going to beat somebody else on that roster. It's nine and three. There you go. And that's, that's why Tennessee ticket. fans get hurt every single year because we can't count on beating Vandy or Kentucky or South Carolina every year. It's over. We're not beating those teams anymore. Can but, we beat Georgia State? No, obviously not. So If Tennessee played Georgia State on Saturday, would they win? Like four days from now? Yeah. Yeah. Because if, they, if Tennessee played like they played against BYU, they beat Georgia State by 30. They The entire offseason, Tennessee prepared for BYU. And then they came out, and Jeremy Pruitt, his entire career, has coached blue-chip five-star prospects at Alabama, at Georgia, at Florida State. And he is used to rolling out the footballs and beating teams like Georgia State by 40. And he hasn't quite gotten it in his head that Tennessee's players can't do that. And that's why they lost to Georgia State. So I, back back to my point. If if Tennessee were you know to finish the year, Garantano stayed the whole year, but was not good enough to go to the NFL draft next year, he would still be in line to be the starting quarterback. Jared, there there is a zero percent chance Jared Garantano is the starting quarterback next year because he he's graduated already. He. In his mind, he's going to the draft after this year. And I suppose if he learns how to read a defense in the next eight weeks, maybe. He's got a great arm. He was a highly rated guy coming out of New Jersey. Is he a four-star? He was a, he was a high four-star coming out of New Jersey. He's a good prospect. He just He's had four quarterback coaches in four years. I don't know how much you blame a kid for that, but he's not good. But It's not like anything It's his, his fault. It just seems from watching him like he's – just slow to pick up on a lot of things. He's so slow. And last he was slow last year too, but last year he was slow to read the defense, which translated into him taking a lot of sacks. It's like all offseason, this this offseason, Jeremy Pruitt's talked him up about how he's the guy and we got confidence in him as our starter, so he's he's coming out like he's this gunslinger who's gonna just thread the needle on all these throws and instead of taking sacks, he's forcing it in double coverage and throwing interceptions. But the Vols have a very high four-star quarterback coming in out of Alpharetta, Georgia, next year. I think he's the number three-rated pocket passer in the country. So 
he's the starting quarterback next year. As long, assuming he doesn't flip and go somewhere else, which at this point, how can you blame a guy? But uh, there's no way Garantano's the starter next year. He's going to grad transfer somewhere. How many Tennessee players are right now are playing that were the highly touted freshmen that Pruitt brought in? So our starting middle linebacker is a freshman from California, Henry like Henry T. It's Henry Toa 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 yeah. Toa the the Samoan yeah. guy. He's he was a very very high four star. On Saturday, Corvaris Crouch played. He was the number one player in the country for a while. He got hurt his senior year, and he ended up being like number twenty five. He played like thirty snaps. To the end. He's like an outside linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. He played like thirty snaps on Saturday. Um, we got two five star tackles, offensive tackles who are playing a lot. Not very good, but they're playing a lot. Um, four star running back out of Memphis, Eric Gray. He's playing a lot. They got freshmen at pretty much every position except quarterback. Yeah. I mean that 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 actually bodes well for him. Um, what are you hearing about groomers? So oh, okay, we tease the groomers. By the way, Harrison Bailey's the number two rated pro style quarterback in the country coming out next year, committed to Tennessee, and he said yesterday that he his only goal is to keep the class together. He's not looking anywhere else. So there you go, he's starting next year. So uh, my good friend, your good friend, informal podcast good friend Aaron Lewis tweeted last week after the loss to Georgia State that um, he was looking forward to November 2019 when the Vols are 1-9, and nine, have fired Jeremy Pruitt, and the Oakland Raiders are 1-9 and nine and have bought out Jared, or, uh, John Gruden's contract, and we can crank up groomers round three. So that's on the horizon. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's a possibility. Groomers part so. Groomers part Groomers Groomers is, is my favorite. Every so the last two coaching searches, I've gone into it with a clear mind, thinking to myself, John Gruden hasn't coached in ten years, and he never coached in college. He doesn't know how to recruit. He's not going to be a good college coach. I don't want John Gruden. And then by the end of it, I'm on Twitter tweeting about how I want John Gruden. So that's probably going to happen again. So yeah, Tennessee has the Carson Beck. No, Harrison Bailey. Harrison Bailey. Georgia. Yeah. Georgia has Carson Beck, who's also a four-star. Ranked below Harrison Bailey. Ranked above Harrison Bailey. What are you 20, looking at? 24-7 oh, sports. Yeah, well, 24-7 is garbage. Guess who has the rivals number one guy. ranked Hashtag rivals guy. Clemson, I know. Here, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is half my podcast, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to say this. In... All Tennessee fans want is to go back to the late 90s and the early 2000s when we were a top five program in the country. There was a there was a period from, I think, 1998 to 2002 where Tennessee went 45-5 and five over a five-year span. That's what Tennessee fans want. That's what we want. We know the program can get there because it's been there before. In the late 90s and the early 2000s, LSU was trash. Alabama was awful. Do you know who Georgia's coach was? Ricked. It was not Rick. The guy before Rick. I have no idea. Exactly. He was terrible. <laughs> Clemson, utterly irrelevant. Worse than South Carolina. South Carolina, awful. Vanderbilt, terrible. Florida, good, but they're the only rival that's any good. And Tennessee got every single recruit they Spurrier. Spurrier. It was Tennessee. If Tennessee wanted a recruit that wasn't from Florida, we got him. Now, Georgia is elite. Alabama, historically elite. Clemson, historically elite. If there's a guy from South Carolina who's a five-star, he's absolutely 100% going to Clemson. 
Or and Alabama. And if he doesn't go to Clemson, he's going to Alabama. And if he doesn't go to Alabama, he's going to Georgia. In 1999, that guy's going to Tennessee. A hundred times out of a hundred. That's why we're never going to be 45-5 and five over five years again. And that's why I prefer to watch baseball. So, I mean, looking at the top recruits next year, it's Clemson, Clemson, Ohio State, Clemson, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Georgia, A&M, Georgia, LSU. That doesn't even count the fact. Alabama, Clemson. That doesn't even take into consideration the fact that A&M was an absolute afterthought back then, too. And now A&M is a legitimate powerhouse you've got to worry about on the recruiting trail. Texas, LSU. The number 21 overall recruit is going to North Carolina. Mac Brown. receiver. Mac Brown. That's true. But uh, when Tennessee is, is at its best as a program, they get everybody they want in Tennessee. They get everybody they want in North Carolina. They get everybody they want in South Carolina. They get everybody they want in Virginia. And they get most of who they want in Alabama and Georgia. We're at a point, we're at a point in history where they're not getting – they're getting a fraction of who they want from the state of Tennessee. At this point, do you have the, the in-state Tennessee ranks pulled up? Can you pull it up by, yeah. by state? So, Jeremy Pruitt has won the National Recruiter of the Year before. He's an elite recruiter. Uh, Kevin Shear, our defensive line coach, is an elite recruiter. T. Martin has won the Recruiter of the Year before at USC. Brian Niedermeyer, our tight ends coach, won the Recruiter of the Year last year. We got three National Recruiters of the Year. We're the only coaching staff in the United States that has three Recruiters of the Year based on your boys at 247 Sports. Look at the yeah at, at Tennessee. We've got most of the top guys committed. So the number one guy hasn't committed yet, but he's either going to Alabama or, or South Carolina, and it's 89% Alabama. Who is it? Reggie Grimes. Reggie Grimes. Mount Juliet, he transferred to Ravenwood. He, if Tennessee was good, he would go to Tennessee. But his dad played it, played at Alabama. So that's kind of a special case. Okay, so Sean Lawrence. Keyshawn Lawrence committed to Tennessee. Going to Tennessee. Omari Thomas from Briarcrest. That's Memphis. That's, that's, that's yeah. basically that's basically basically Mississippi. He's probably going to Texas A&M. And he's going to Ole Miss. Ole Miss or Texas A&M. He's not going to Tennessee. But uh, Memphis is always, I mean... Everybody that listens to this podcast is from Tennessee. Memphis is basically Mississippi. Right. Tyler Barron. He's going to Tennessee. Tennessee. Jay Hardy. From Jay Macaulay. Hardy's going to Tennessee. Um, Darian Turner, Memphis, so he's going to Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, Brian Tucker, Knoxville Catholic. Bryn Tucker, he's from Knoxville. Bryn, is that how you say? I think it's, it's Carolina. That's probably Brian. You get Brian Tucker, Jay Hardy, and who is the other uncommitted guy not from Memphis? The guy higher up, Jay Hardy, Brian Tucker. Reggie Grimes? No, there should be another guy on there. I can't remember. But they're... Marcus Henderson? Those are guys that are going to Tennessee. But if we go... Cooper Mays? Cooper Mays is Cade Mays' brother. He's Kevin Mays' son. So, this is... That's I'm glad you brought up Cooper Mays. (laughs) (laughs) Cooper Mays went to Knoxville Catholic High School. He committed to Tennessee in 2014 after his freshman year. He was a five-star offensive Caden tackle. Mays. Cooper Mays. No, Cooper Mays. Cade Mays. Cade, Cade Mays. Mays. Cooper Mays is currently committed to Tennessee. Cade Mays committed in 2014-2015 after his freshman year. 
He's a five-star offensive tackle. His father, Kevin Mays, played at Tennessee for Philip Fulmer in the 90s. And he was committed to Tennessee for two and a half years. And after Tennessee did not fire Butch Jones and let Butch Jones come back in 2017 and go 4-8, and he decommitted and ended up at Georgia, our number one rival. Cooper Mays is his brother. He's not as good a prospect. He's probably going to end up at Tennessee. But my point is that when Tennessee's good, they they handpick everybody in Tennessee they want, and then they go to North Carolina, and they handpick everybody out of Charlotte that they want, and then they go to Virginia, and they handpick everybody out of the D.C. area that they want, and then they get everybody from South Carolina that they want. And then they go get a couple of guys from California, they go get a couple of guys from Atlanta, they go get a couple of guys from Miami, a couple of guys from Dallas, and they have a top-five recruiting class. And they, that's just not possible at this point. It doesn't matter how good of a recruiting staff you have. It's not possible because you haven't had a decent team in 15 years. So, I mean, as a Vols fan, like I reached a point against Georgia State where I wasn't even mad anymore because we're so far away from being where I want to be as a program that there's no point in living and dying with every game. I was talking to a, a fellow Tennessee fan today, and he looked me in the eyes and he legitimately said, Sam, I think we're going 2-10. and 10. And I looked him in the eyes and I said, we're going to beat UTC. Where's the second win? Like, I don't know where it is. Because the other non-conference game we've got is UAB. And UAB's better than us. Like, they're good. And they just ended their program not too long They ago. disbanded their program. And then they came back and they won 11 games. I, Georgia State was 2-10 last year. We're going to lose to UAB. Like, we're not. We're going to go 1-11. Best, absolute best case scenario is 4-8. and eight. And I'm just... I'm not going to get worked up about it anymore. Like, so, I mean, the Braves are good. Can we talk about baseball? Like, the Braves are good. The, the Vols, I want to unplug. I want to disconnect, and I can't because it was when I was eight years old, we were the best team in the country, <laughs> man. And when you're eight, like, that just cements in your head, you know, That's, things that you love. And it's things that you think you should be good forever. I remember in 2001, I was nine years old. I remember we lost to. I don't, we lost to somebody early in the season, maybe Florida, and then we lost to LSU, and we were one and two. And I remember being distraught <laughs> because we weren't going to win the national championship. I remember that. I was a kid, and I thought to myself, "We're not going to win the national championship." What are we going to do? Born at LSU, back oh, to back. Don't get me started. Yeah. On the balls, we're going to we're going to Norman next year to play Oklahoma. <laughs> we're going to lose by sixty. Why are we really? doing? Why are we going to Norman? But it's it, Vols fans. You need to unplug. You need to disconnect from this program because we got three options, okay? Moving forward. This is my last point on Tennessee, and then we can talk about something else. The Vols in 2019 have three options. They can either fire Pruitt probably at the end of the season. You're probably not going to fire him before the end of the season, but you can pull the plug now. You can pay probably 10 to $12 million in buyouts, which is going to set you back, and you can try to hire. Plus, you're already paying. Um, you're already paying Butch. And you're already, I think you're still paying Derek Dooley. But you can pull the plug, you can pay all the buyouts. Where's Dooley now? He's the offensive coordinator of Missouri, which that was fun, him hanging 50 on us in Neyland last year. Did Stop he wear yellow pants? He was wearing, I don't know. He was in the booth <laughs> because they would have thrown stuff at him if he was on the field. <laughs> <laughs> Stop sidetracking me. The, you can either pull the plug, you can fire everybody, and you can pay all the buyouts. That's option one. Option two is you can grin and bear it, and you can just give his full term contract which I think is five years you can give him the whole time you can watch attendance tank and hope that he can build something that's that's worth watching four or five years from now 
Option three is you let him coach three or four years and then you fire him and you keep the cycle going. And I think the best option is just to let him go. I think the option is just to let him coach it out, let him build his program, let him get to a point where he's got everybody in the program is there because he wanted him there and see if he's got it. And if not, you just reset again. And then the, the, Do you the, think you let him go three or four years? I would, I would let him go farther than that. Like, I think if you don't fire him at the end of this year, you've got to give him five or six years because he's I mean, not I think, caught in between. And I, I think there's a good argument to be made for firing him this year because I don't think – I think it's probably 90% at this point that he doesn't get Tennessee to the point where they're a national contender. But, I mean, you fired the last three coaches after three or four years, and, it, you know, here you are. So I think you need some stability. Just give him a chance. Yeah, and Tennessee fans unplug, find something else to care about in the fall. That's what I would say. Yeah, I mean, so when you look at the top recruits from Tennessee, you've got Grimes, like you said, who's going to go elsewhere, number one. Um, then you have two, four, and five going to Tennessee. Um, Can you've got you? A, well, go ahead. I'm going to go back to 2018, but go. Ahead. You finish doing what you're doing. Yeah. Then you've got number seven from Knoxville going to Clemson. Like, I get that. Clemson's powerhouse. What's that guy? Who, who's Bryn, that? Brian. Bryn Tucker. Yeah, we're not getting that. That's really close. Um, I mean, I get it. They're the number one team, right? Like, Someone asked if I, me. If some, if, yeah. If, if you were a five-star that had an offer from every – like, you could literally go anywhere in the country. Where would you go? Yeah, number one. You go to Clemson, right? right. Or, you, or Alabama you or to, Georgia. You're not going anywhere else, if you're, especially if you're from the southeast. Right. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to go to Tennessee and and win three or four games a year and maybe five, maybe playing a bowl game. Um, if I if I go to Clemson and win the starting job, I'm going to be drafted in the top three rounds in the NFL. You look at the like, you look at the NFL and there, every roster in the NFL just about it seems it seems like anyway has a wide receiver from Clemson or a defensive lineman from Clemson or a defensive back from Ohio State or an offensive line from Alabama. Like, right. And there's there's still a ton of Tennessee guys in the league, but most of them came out in the, you know, 2008, 2009. Right. So. Um, you've got um, a couple of Memphis guys going elsewhere. Then you've got a, um, a guy, Elijah Young, number 12 recruit in Tennessee from South Doyle, which is in Knoxville, going to Missouri. That's probably a guy who Pruitt doesn't want. You think so? Yeah. Guys that, like, so Pruitt, Pruitt loses guys to Clemson and Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State sometimes. You see a guy like that's going to Ole Miss or going to going to Missouri. It's probably a guy that they don't, don't want. And he, Pruitt specifically, more so than Butch, his predecessor, is very bold about looking at a guy who's a four-star, who's a top 250 prospect, and telling him, we don't want you. Which I'm fine with if you're right. Right. You know, but you got to be right. And the guy that you decide on. The, guy, you know, the three stars you take better be good. Right, exactly. You know, I'm looking right now, I'm looking at the 2018 class, which was Pruitt's first year. So, number one player in the state. Knox Catholic, Cade Mays, committed to Tennessee for two and a half years, goes to Georgia. Number two player, Greg Emerson, who's at Tennessee right now, who was a five-star, or high four-star. He broke his ankle at, at one of the camps his senior year. He's, he's playing. He's not very good. Then you got Alabama. You get number four player went to Tennessee, Alante Taylor. He's starting. But then you got Georgia Tech, 
He gave up that one pass. He did, yeah. He's he, he busted the coverage. But he's pretty good. I mean, he's pretty good. But then number five, it's going to Georgia Tech, South Carolina, Ohio State, Ohio State. You got a Vanderbilt in the top 15. You got Oklahoma. You got another Vanderbilt. A guy went to Washington from the top 20. UCLA from the top 20. West Virginia from the top 20. There's more Vandy guys in the top 20 than there are Tennessee guys. And Tennessee's producing more talent now than they ever have before, just because mostly because of the influx of population to Nashville. There's more, there's more people. There's more prospects. But you got to lock down the state first. And why would anybody go to Tennessee? We're going to go 2 and 10, you know? Yeah. Um, how about Georgia? Are you guys going to ever beat Alabama? <laughs> we need to revisit this in about <laughs> three months. I mean, I, I'd say we look pretty good rolling over Vanderbilt and yeah. rolling over Murray State. So, Georgia, how do you feel about Justin Fields? I, I want to get a Georgia fan's perspective on Justin Fields. First of all, being immediately eligible to Ohio State, which is scummy <laughs> in the tenth degree. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's that's a two part question. But I so mean, here's my thought about Justin Fields. Justin Fields, Justin Fields is a good quarterback. Justin Fields is built more for an Ohio State or an Oklahoma type program than he is for Georgia. I'm not really sure why he decided on Georgia in the first place. It made place. no sense to me. He was the number two recruit in the country after t- after Trevor Lawrence. And I remember when he picked Georgia, it made no sense because Jake Fromm was a freshman All-American. And if Jake Fromm was a freshman All-American, and if he wasn't a freshman All-American, um, and let's say he just Jacob was Jacob Eason sitting, was the number Eason one quarterback the year before that. They got Eason, who was the number one overall quarterback, then they got Fromm, who was, what, a high four-star, mm-hmm. who started his entire freshman year after Easton got hurt and took him to the playoff. And then you're a, the number two quarterback in the country. Why on earth are you going to Georgia? So the reason I think he went to Georgia is they sold him. Like, if you're the number two overall recruit, you better feel that you can go win a job. And, like, right. they gave him a chance to do it. Well, it's because Kirby's a, a snake oil salesman, but whatever you have to be to be a college football exactly. coach. Exactly. I mean, every, like, all of them are. I'm not gonna knock, I mean, I'm going to knock him because he's at Georgia, but they're, they're all like that. Right. I mean, look at when Tua went to Alabama, Tua started. Or Tua didn't start. Tua came in, and he played a lot that first year, right? Well, he was coming in for Jalen Hurts, who was a Heisman candidate the year before. And, and to be honest, if Fromm struggled at all last year, they would have gone to Hurts. Right, so I guess that's why you go, because you go, and if Fromm has two bad games in a row and a fan base like Georgia, they're going to want to see the kid, right? Well, yeah, when, you, when you've got national championship aspirations. <laughs> national championship. How far, how long ago was 1980? <laughs> Anybody listening alive, if you were alive we were, in 1980. We were one, two attack of a look off, deep pass to Smith for a touchdown away from a national championship two years ago. You were, and... But two guess year, what happened? T- two years before that, you were you were what, Murray. What's his first name? Murray. Andy Murray. Not <laughs> he's the tennis player. Aaron Murray. Aaron you were Murray. one Aaron Murray inexplicable checkdown with seven seconds left on the clock <laughs> in the SEC two years before that. But look, listen. You talk about Tennessee being a heartbreak. Georgia's a heartbreak simply from the fact that. Tennessee may be bad, but you ex- kind of expect them to be bad. At this point, and I just spent 30 en- minutes talking about why I expect them to be they're bad. They're bad the entire game. Sure. Georgia well, is going to be uh, good the entire game, and then you think they win, are going to win, and then they don't. I would present as evidence to combat <laughs> this claim the game that happened on Saturday when BYU was losing 
and had their ball had the ball on their own five yard line with 16 seconds left and sent it to overtime, or Florida who hit a hail mary, or Oklahoma who beat us in overtime, or Texas A&M who beat us in overtime. But I hear your point. Georgia is one of the top three programs in the country, and they have no close prospects of winning a national championship because Alabama is the best program in the country, and they just happen to be in the same conference. Yeah. I think Georgia can beat Alabama. (laughs) Uh, Let me level with you. (laughs) Kirby is never going to beat Nick Saban. He's never going to beat Nick Saban. It's not going to happen. Kirby's but come super close. So twice. close, he's never going to do it. They should have beat him last year. should have beat him, but they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they should have beat him the year before. <laughs> your, uh, but they did it. Your best chance, your best chance is for Joe Burrow at LSU to go on a heater, <laughs> knock out Alabama. What about Whatever his name is. This year. It's for Joe Burrow to go on a heater and knock out Alabama. And if, if it's Georgia and LSU in the, in the SEC championship game, Georgia winning the national championship. Georgia, I believe, can beat anybody but Alabama. I know. And they I have think to play them to get there. I think if Georgia, I think if Georgia played Clemson and Alabama played Clemson, Georgia would have a better chance of beating Clemson. Oh, buddy. Just Cle- be- Clemson's got a bunch of guys from Knoxville that are really good. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it's going to be interesting if if Georgia doesn't. Well, no matter if they win the win it all or don't win it all this year. Next year's going to be interesting because Fromm will leave. Fromm's going to be a first-round draft pick. Is he? I wanted to ask you about this because Fromm is a fantastic college quarterback. But, it, I mean, I don't know. I haven't I haven't deep-dived into 2020 NFL mock drafts. I'm not a psychopath. But <laughs> is he a first-round pick? I'm going to deep-dive it. Deep-dive it. Look, you do it. I'll do it, too. Hold on. Text my wife. Tell her I'm going to be late getting home. So... The Dolphins are already on the clock. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. So Tua will be the number one pick. This coming year. Right. Um, mock draft 1.0. Are you on WalterFootball.com? <laughs> Get off of that. That dude's terrible. I'm not on Walter. I'm on... I'm not sure what this is. This is... I hate whenever you click on something and it's a slideshow. Isn't that the worst? All right, so I got one pulled up. Tua is the first quarterback off the board without a doubt. Let me see where I can find my second quarterback. It's probably going to be the guy from Oregon, Justin Herbert. Herbert. Justin Herbert's the second quarterback off the board. Oh, this guy's got the Titans picking in the top 12. Get out of here. The Titans are going to make the playoffs. Trey Smith, offensive lineman. That's the ball going in the first round. Um, T. Higgins, wide receiver, Clemson. He went to Oak Ridge High School. That's in Knoxville. Hmm. First round. Uh, the mock draft I'm looking at at CBS.com only has two quarterbacks in the first round, and neither one of them are Jake Fromm. Do you so honest- this this one I'm looking at, which is oh, it's called draft site. I have no Seems idea. Seems no, credible. <laughs> no, credi- <laughs> no credibility, but it has Fromm in the uh, as a tenth pick. So this has the Titans picking twenty second. I like yours better That's than the one vaulty. I was looking at. That could play. This also has Indianapolis picking 24th. Okay, so you're probably looking at a little bit of older one. But regardless, Fromm may go in the first round. He's definitely going to go in the this first round. This was April rounds. 23rd. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> make your Jake Fromm. Who, this, you? who thinks the, who thinks the uh, Titans are going to be picking 22nd? I do. I think they're going to be picking 28th. I think they're making the second round. Uh, 
but the Walter football I'm looking at now has the Titans picking seventh and getting LaVisca Chenault from Colorado, who is going to win the Bolitnikoff. He's the best wide receiver in the country. He's nasty. We're just going to keep drafting college. Apparently. We're just going to keep drafting wide receivers in the first round. Do you want to talk about the Titans? Do you have a? Do you want to finish talking about Georgia? Um, let's finish talking about Georgia. I love it. So Fromm is a typical game manager, right? Like he is. I mean, that's a bit condescending, but I, I hear what you're saying. Like, I mean, and, and I don't think that's, it's necessarily anything against him. I think that's just the system, and he uh, he's he's not going to take a risk. So he's going to check down. He's going to he's going to check to a run. It, he's the system is if the runs there, take it because our offensive line averages 395 pounds. And yeah, probably all runs four fours. Well, like three of them are from Knoxville, but yeah. continue. Okay, there is. So, let's see, you're a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's one of those things that can he make the plays? Yes, but I think his intelligence and his ability to, I guess, check to stuff when it seems like a better better idea um, and just control the game and, and make sure you keep drives moving and throw stuff away and... Um, not really take chances. Um, you know, we don't need to take chances. He's definitely a, a, a game manager because of that intelligence, right? Sure. Um, but he's got the skills to make all the throws. He's um, a fantastic college quarterback. He's a good college quarterback. And it's in a pro system. And he's performed extremely well in big games. So, I mean, remember last year against Alabama, they started off throwing, and he was like ten for ten to start off. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where Fromm's going to go in the draft, but I really solidified this opinion watching the NFL on Sunday. That if you watch enough college football, you know who's going to be good in the league because you can't like give me, especially a quarterback, give me a stud NFL quarterback that was like mediocre in college. Like Deshaun Watson came out and everybody said, "Oh, he's a little too short." He doesn't Jared Goff. He that's the one, right? That's the one who he was good, but his team wasn't very good. But you, yeah, he had all the tools and he's in a perfect system and he's pretty good. But like Deshaun Watson was a monster in college. Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Whatever. Look, I don't know if he's good or not. He went to Delaware. I don't have a clue. Pat Mahomes and like Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and then who was the guy that that went like third overall that draft? can't remember. That was the year before Darnold, right? Right, yeah. It was 2017, I guess. Mahomes. This is good radio. Because Mahomes went 10 and Deshaun Jackson went. Deshaun Watson. Or Deshaun Watson went 11. Somebody go 1 that year? Somebody went 1-1. Was that the Tunsil draft? I think it was. Hold on, I'm pulling it up. This is fantastic radio. Well, it's not radio. It's not radio at all. That was Miles Garrett went number one. Mitch Trubisky. Oh, went two no. Two overall. Yeah. And Mitch Trubisky went two overall, and Patrick Mahomes went 10th, and Deshaun Watson went 12th. And if you are a college football fan, which I think we both consider ourselves college football fans, if you give, give any college football fan those three quarterbacks, they're going to rank them. In some, like, it's going to be Deshaun Watson or Pat Mahomes 1 2, and then Trubisky's going to be third. <laughs> but the NFL was feeling themselves, and they went to the combine, and they thought, oh, Mitch Trubisky, he's got a big arm. He's going to be a good quarterback. My point is, if you watch college football, you know who the good quarterbacks are. 
Jake Fromm's a good quarterback. If he goes late in the first round, I don't care. He's going to be a good NFL quarterback. That's the point I was making. I see. What if Jake Fromm... So here, here's my question. Let's say Mariota has an up-and-down year this year. If, oh, if Transition to the Titans. Let's do it. If... We could talk about Mariota all day. Yeah, we could. How long have we been going? Because you said this is going to be a half hour in and out. I got to drive to Murphy, bro. Yeah. We're still definitely still going to post a sandwich spot after this. <laughs> uh, 52 minutes. That's not bad. Let's write. Okay. Let's, let's, do some, uh, let's do some NFL talk. All right. Continue your flawless transition. So let's say that Mariota has an up and down year, gets hurt some, Panahill comes in, isn't great. Titans go, I don't know, let me guess, 9 and 7. Oh, okay. They're definitely going to go 9 and 7. Shocker. Nobody really knows that Mariota's the guy. Let's say they let him loose. They're like, okay. He's a free agent after this right. year. If he's not great, he's gone. Right. So I say, hey, you're gone. If the Titans drafted Jake Fromm with like the 19th pick, as a Titans fan, are you happy with that All choice? Perfectly, perfectly, perfectly fine with it. What? I would. Let me tell you. Let me put it this way. I would rather have Jake Fromm as my NFL quarterback than Justin Herbert. And Justin Herbert's going to go before Jake Fromm, but I'd rather have Jake Fromm. Would you rather have Jake Fromm or Tua? Probably Tua. I think he's got a. I think he's got a better arm. I think he can make more throws. And I think they're both. I think he's a. I think Tua is a better college quarterback. But, I mean, listen. So I mean, I, I, I think Tua's athletic ability and his arm strength and, um, I don't know about accuracy, but he's like smaller than Fromm too. He's kind of short. Um, both of them are good enough size to play in. The Here's NFL. what. Let me be honest with you. Here's what I would do if I was drafted nineteenth as the Titans GM and we're not bringing back Mariota, I would take the best player available. And then I would trade Delaney, I would trade Derrick Henry, I would trade Court Davis, I would trade everybody. I would tank to get the number one pick to get Trevor Lawrence. That's what I would do. I would absolutely sell my soul as an NFL general manager to get Trevor Lawrence because he's going to be an NFL Hall of Famer. And I think whoever gets the number one overall pick in the 2021 draft is going to win a Super Bowl because Trevor Lawrence is that good. So let's say... Okay, for, let's finish this. Let's finish the Murray or the um, Fromm talk. I kind of think that Murray or Fromm. I keep saying Murray. You you put you put Murray. In my Aaron head. Murray, what's he doing now? Yeah, I probably <laughs> think he's probably a practice squad. Probably so. backup somewhere, making more yeah. make more money than I make. So I think Fromm. Tua has more athletic ability, more arm strength, hose, um, better weapons. Yeah, better offensive system. Sure. So, I think, but I think from like his his ability to read defenses, his ability to work through progressions, his ability to, I mean, Tua for the most part he'll drop back and his first options open, and Jerry Judy's running a a four one. 405 or whatever down the left sideline, and he's going to throw a bomb to him. Jerry Judy, potentially their third best receiver. But <laughs> yeah. He's going to go number like three overall this right. year in the draft. I mean, think about the amount of times that Tua has to work through a progression, right? So, like, I just, I don't know. I If you have the number one pick, you have to pick Tua because his upside is so high. Right. But. I mean, are you going to be shocked if in 15 years we look back and Jake Fromm had a better NFL career than Tua did? I mean, we'll have to see how it all plays out because I don't, I don't solidify my opinions on most like draft prospects until like February or March when it's draft season. That's when everybody's talking about, right? So I don't know. 
Like, I haven't watched Jake Fromm as much as you have. So if you're saying that, I believe you. But I don't know because, to me, he's the same as Aaron Murray because he kicks my team's teeth in it once a year. (laughs) And I don't know how good he is. I know he's good enough to beat us by 30 points, and that's all I know. So what I do know right now, two years out, is that Trevor Lawrence is going to be an NFL Hall of Famer in 20 years. But if you told me Jake Fromm is the best quarterback in the draft, I believe you. What I do know is DeAndre Swift is going to be an incredible NFL running back. Yeah? Our running back. Yeah. Why is he better than Holyfield? Because Holyfield went undrafted, and I cut him in a dynasty league today. <laughs> so why is he better than Elijah Holyfield? Um, uh, he's just big. He's strong. He's fast. He Elijah the Holyfield ball. is Evander Holyfield's son. So that's so. Seems so if like there's a fight good. on the field, he's got a better chance. You've seen his biceps. Okay, so... Here's my next question. Let's say you're the Miami Dolphins, who yeah. just got beat by 75 points. Tank for Trevor Lawrence. Okay, so they're tanking right now, and they are going to have, they yeah. have a ton of draft picks this year. Yep. First round picks. How, I wonder how many first round picks they have. Uh, Three? At least two, potentially <laughs> up to four, I think. Okay, so if the Dolphins finish worse in the league, okay, the Dolphins are the number one draft pick. If you're the Miami Dolphins, do you take Tua with this number one pick, or do you trade out, stink again next year, and have a ton of assets and take Trevor Lawrence next year? I mean, I could be wrong. Like, I this could look stupid, and if you're the general manager of the Dolphins, you probably don't have confidence enough in your job to do this. But I just I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to win multiple Super Bowls. He's going to win multiple MVPs. I think he's the best He's the best college prospect since Andrew Luck, who was the best college prospect since Peyton Manning. Like, I think he's a generational talent. I think Tua is good, and Fromm is good, and Herbert is good. But Lawrence is, at, is in an upper echelon of prospects. That, he would have been the number one overall pick in the draft last year as an 18-year-old if he would have been eligible. So, whether or not you're actually able to do that, I don't know. But I would do everything in my power to get Trevor Lawrence. And you know who's going to get Trevor Lawrence? The Patriots. The Colts. And I'm mad about it. The Colts are going to get him because Andrew Luck gave him his retirement three days before the season started. And they're going to be fine this year. And they're going to be awful next year. And they're going to get Trevor Lawrence. He's going to beat the Titans for 15 straight years. And I'm mad about it. I... If they, if they, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. That guy's incredible. He's unbelievable. He's un- and he's he's got to play the rest of this season and the rest of next season in college before he goes pro. That needs to be changed. God, we can't talk about this tonight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk. Let's talk a little Titans, and then right. we'll get out of here. All right. Um, Titans started one to zero. Beat yeah, the Cleveland Browns. Crushed the Cleveland Browns. Has your viewpoint. And so I, I personally, I said from, you know, I, I guess about May and June, like, I'm not going to dive into the Titans preseason, get pumped about it, because they just cut my throat out every single year. Right. I get pumped. I'm like, yeah, this is the year. Mariota's going to be great. All this great stuff's coming out of camp. And then disaster strikes in the form of a nine-hour game in Miami or whatever <laughs> may insert during the year. So they go to Cleveland, and they beat Cleveland really good. 
interest is kind of peaked now. Like we watched, that, we watched that nine-hour game at Miami together, by the way. Uh, we did, uh, yeah. We did not watch the Browns game together, so... so there might be something to be said. <laughs> but we did watch that Chiefs game together when they won the... Uh, yeah, we did. When they won the playoff game. Yeah, we did. So, I don't know. But definitely piqued my interest. I think the key to this team is... One, first down gains. If they can get ahead on first down and stay on schedule, they're a little like Army in this sense, right? If you're if you're second and 12, go ahead and punt the football. That's not a great spot to be. No. <laughs> <laughs> but when it's rolling, it's really good. And I feel like when it's going bad, it's going to be really bad. Um, the defense is going to have to hold, their hand, hold the offense's hand to a lot of games this year. And, I mean, the honest truth is, the way this team's set up, if they run into a team like a Kansas City, like a New England, like even a Pittsburgh, um, it's a team that's going to put up a lot of points. If I tell you the Titans have to score 30 points to win a game. I they mean, win two out of ten. Right. Like, the Titans can score 30 points, but the way they score 30 points is they go up 14-7 to seven and then Derrick Henry punishes, like, mauls you into submission. <laughs> right. And they score three touchdowns in the blows. fourth quarter. No. No. I... I like to think of myself as the biggest Marcus Mariota defender. Oh, don't knock your computer off the, the, the thing there. I like to think of myself as the biggest Marcus Mariota defender, like in my in my personal sphere. I've I've loved Marcus Mariota as the Titans quarterback since he was a sophomore at Oregon. Like before he even came out, like he's the guy I wanted. I think he's gonna be a superstar. On Sunday, in a game we won forty three to fourteen or whatever it was, I lost hope. And Mario to be in a franchise quarterback because he every every big play he made was out of play action to a wide open receiver down the field, which is fine. You got to hit those passes like Arthur Smith. I thought did a really good job as offensive coordinator. That's all well and good, but there was just a ton of throws that were like tight window throws, but they were open throws that quarterbacks in the NFL have to make. That he just he's in his fifth year and he's still not making, you know, and he's still he's still seeing ghosts and throwing the ball too early and. I just, I want, I've wanted up to this point, I've wanted the Titans to open it up and run a spread system, kind of like Marcus ran in college, and let him run the ball and let him run some RPOs, and and they they haven't done that, and he hasn't been able to adapt to, to the pro-style system they're trying to run. And I'm just resigned myself to the fact that at the end of this year, the Titans are going to be looking for another quarterback, which, you know, it is what it is. I think they can still go 9-7 and seven and make the playoffs, but... I think that's about the ceiling. <laughs> so, with that being said, are you? Let's say, let's say the Titans let him go. Okay, let's say the Titans let him walk after this year, and he signs with. He's gonna go be a backup somewhere. I mean, in my opinion, the worst could, case. I think he could go be a starter somewhere. But if he's a starter, he's gonna be making fifteen or twenty million somewhere. Do you want to pay Marcus Mariota twenty million dollars? Like that's the worst case scenario in my opinion is that he's good and not great and we give him a five year hundred fifty million dollar contract. Yeah, and, and I love the guy. I think stuck. he's he's a great dude and I think he's a good quarterback. But I mean, you don't want to be there. If if we ran a air raid system, right? Would he? Be an obvious franchise quarterback. If we ran the system that that the Rams run, I would feel better about it. Or even if we ran like what they're running in in Baltimore this year with 
with Lamar Jackson, I would feel better about it. The problem is when he does get out and run and make plays with his legs, he ends up getting hurt. Which I don't know that that's sustainable. I think that's probably mostly fluky, but I would feel much better about that. I think if you give him a $100 million contract, you've got to throw your three tight end exotic smash mouth system in a trash can and hire a college offensive coordinator and run a spread system. The old Kingsbury offense. Sure. Like hire hire the guy from hire the guy from North Texas that's running the spread. Or hire USC's offensive coordinator or whatever you want to do. I mean it makes sense. Like the way Arizona did it, you know, you've got you're you're gonna draft a quarterback that fit like Kyler Murray's not a pro style quarterback. Lamar Jackson's not a pro style quarterback. Even Baker Mayfield's not really a pro style quarterback. He's not really a pro style quarterback. So you're going to draft these guys. It makes sense to put the right offense in place. Because for even when Marcus got drafted, it was one of those things where it didn't make sense to, like, they're like, the spread isn't going to work in the NFL, right? The way college balls run is not uh, going to work in the NFL. And well, this was, what, 2015, right? And I would say the league has changed more from in, in the course of those five years than it had probably 15 years before that. Right. So, yeah, the Titans might be drafting a quarterback next year. It's crazy to think about, but the honest truth is if they go, let's say they go 10 and 6. Sure. Let's say they go 10 and 6. Top and 5 defense. Top 5 defense. Marcus throws for 20 touchdowns, 3000 yards. 3000 yards, 10 interceptions. I think that's worst case scenario. Because then what happens? Long term, that's worst case scenario. Because then you franchise him, I guess. Oh, well, that's what you'd have to do. Is I maybe okay? Look, we're off the rails. We're we're approaching midnight Eastern time. Since <laughs> a lot of our listeners are on Eastern time, we are in we are in the the third act of our half hour podcast. So let's let's just go totally off the rails. The best case scenario for the Titans is the exact scenario you just laid out. They go ten and six. Marcus is the fourteenth best quarterback in the league. The defense is the fourth best defense in the league. Derrick Henry runs for 1,500 yards and 14 touchdowns. And you win the division, you win a playoff game, you lose in the in the second round. You franchise Marcus at $25 million. He comes out next year, proves he's not the guy at all. The defense ages out. Dean Pease retires. You go 3-13, and and you get Trevor <laughs> Lawrence, and you win a Super Bowl. Except for the Dolphins go 0-16. Yeah, probably, but look. If, look, we're we're off the rails on informal. I'm trying to construct a, a world where we actually are the worst team in the league when we have a generational quarterback on the board, and I just can't see it happening. Yeah, we can't. Our team's too strong to do it. Okay, two questions. Well, one's real more of a statement. Mario had a really good game. He threw for three touchdowns. The one was a screen pass. Yeah. Very the other two were wide open play action passes. To Delaney Walker, who's a stud. A bunch of his yards came on A.J. Brown. Run after catch. An absolute arm punt to A.J. Brown. Which that guy... Really good, by the way. Better, better than Chris Davis right now. Corey Davis. Better than Corey Davis right now. Corey Davis didn't have a single catch. My question to you. This season... If Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry looked like the Derrick Henry of the last couple games last year. Yep. Could Derrick Henry rush for 2,000 yards this year? Derrick Henry, it's it's like, I don't know, it, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? If Derrick Henry, like you always see these stats where like when Derrick Henry runs for 100 yards, the Titans win 80% of their games. 
Well, yeah. Yeah, because they were well, up. yeah, because most of them come in the fourth quarter. Like, when the Titans are up, Derrick Henry is going to punish you. He's a sledgehammer, and he's going to drill you in the fourth quarter. So, if you told me Derrick Henry ran for 2,000 yards, I would believe you, and I would think the Titans went 12-4. and four. But if you tell me the Titans go 10-6, and six, I say, no, there's there's no way he runs for 2,000 yards. And I don't know, like, you can't, you can't, like, untangle those two things. I think he might run for 2,000 yards. He could. If the Titans go, if the Titans go 11-5 or 12-4 and four and win the division, he could. He absolutely could. Chris Johnson should have broke the rushing record, but they called that holding penalty on, in yeah. Seattle that last yeah, game. Yeah, there was a holding penalty on the fullback in Seattle. All right, do you have anything to add? I mean, no. We got, there is a, there is a in-depth, informal juice baseball podcast coming it might be the next podcast it's in the works it's in the works we talked a, we talked a little bit of, of playoff baseball at the top of this pod because we may not record another pod before the playoffs <laughs> start you know just just leveling with the here's, people here's what i'd love to do and, and i don't i don't know what that this is going to kind of look like um but first of all i'm going to post a sandwich pod on the back end of this so it's going to be like a two-hour because that, that sandwich, just the sandwich piece of that pod was an hour. Or should I just post it in another thing? Just post two at the same time. Okay, yeah, I'm just, I'll post the, sand, the sandwich. This is, our, this is our pre-show meeting on the show. All right. What I would love to do is to get informal contributor Aaron Lewis in the podcast room to okay. talk a little postseason baseball before it jumps out. Oh, my goodness. The, the, look. Listen. <laughs> you, I'm sold. Okay, so we'll get that going. Um, in the meantime, check out the sandwich pie because we will absolutely we 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 go in depth on there, the sandwiches. This is the informal podcast, and when we talk sports, we talk very informally. That was not an informal <laughs> sandwich pie. It was a formal sandwich. It was pie. a very professional sandwich pie. So uh, we'll, I'll save the, uh, the final tallies for you. So go listen to that. Um, really good, and uh, yeah, I guess we'll be back with some baseball. Hopefully, something before then, but. Um, if not, it's been good as always. So until next time, loved every minute of it. Peace.